greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here today. And my prayer is that the Lord will let us will share some things with us that will help us in our walk with him. My prayer is everyone got enough rest last night. And that the Lord have gave you a new start this morning all right if you have your bibles let's go to the book of proverbs we're gonna talk about something in my prayers that it will really help us in our walk with the lord and it will uh It will um, help us to increase in wisdom and knowledge and just get closer to God. All right, the fourth chapter of the book of Proverbs. And uh, we're going to start reading at verse 20. The fourth chapter of the book of Proverbs, we're going to start reading at verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Now, let me explain what he's saying there. Or when he says, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Um, of course, Solomon was a wise man. And um, a lot of things that he spoke, uh, sometimes it could go over the heads of people. It could appear that he was just speaking a different language or you know uh, things like that and so I like the way he told what he told his son to do he told his son to incline his ear in other words because I'm not going to decline my mouth does everybody understand that I'm going to speak exactly what the Lord gave me to say and it is your job to incline your ear to what I'm saying in other words you raise up your level of understanding so you can understand what I'm saying versus me coming and dumbing down what God is saying. Does everybody see that now? So he says, uh, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Well, let's keep reading verse 22. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Everybody see that now? You know he was not lying. He's talking about the power of the words that God had given him to, wrote, to write in this book. If you want to know the key to a healthy life and to avoid a lot of the things that people go through in their flesh, he tells us right here, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Does everybody see that now? That, now that's just the book of Proverbs. If you didn't have any other Bible to go with it, uh, it's enough words of God's word in the book of Proverbs to give you health to your flesh. Does everybody see now? Now look at what he says. Verse 23. Keep thy heart. Everybody see that? What's the understood subject there? You, 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 you. 
keep your heart. And oftentimes, people get in relationships and and uh, uh, they give all their love to some man or some woman that they really shouldn't be with in the first place. And they get mad and bitter because um, the person may have mistreated them. But it's not, listen, and my prayers that you'll hear today, it is not your lover's job to keep your heart. It's not their job. It's not their job to make you happy or to make you sad or to bring joy to you. It's not their job. This Bible tells us you, you, you keep your heart. What does that mean? I can be mistreated and still not get bitter. I can be mistreated and still have a smile on my face. Does everybody understand that? I don't have to let the mistreatment of others towards me change who I am. And so when we go before God, we can't ask God, God healed my heart because they stumped on it. God will always refer us back to his word. What does his word say? You keep your heart. You keep your heart. That's your job. That's why it's in, in you. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? The reality is there is no such thing as somebody giving their heart to another person. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? When you get in a relationship and somebody so-called break your heart, you, you were easily offended to begin with. Does everybody understand? Why do you think so many people recover in relationships? It's people that's done went through way more than what you've gone through. And, and when they got a fresh start, it was a fresh start. They didn't bring the old junk to the new one. Maybe they have a revelation that they have they that it is their job to keep their own heart. And I don't mean withhold love and guard their heart and guard, you know, to make sure that they don't I'm not talking about withholding love from the other person that's not what he's talking about he's saying you have the ability to not get offended you have the ability regardless of how you're being treated to not get bitter you have that ability because he has told you and he has given you the ability to keep your heart does everybody understand that so it says keep thy heart with all what diligence you you make sure that regardless of how people act around you or towards you, that you keep your heart. Does everybody understand that? Now, the picture of that is this, and we'll go over this again just in case some of you may not have heard it before. In a village in this day, they had wells, water wells. And those wells were not a lot like, they were not like what we think about as wells, where they had walls built up around them. They were just big holes in the ground. And they would just put some big sheet metal or whatever over it to cover it. Uh, whenever an invading army went into a city, uh, one of the practices that they would do they would find that well. Now this well was the water supply of all of the city and sometimes neighboring cities. 
And so they'd find that well and they'd uncover it and they'd kill an animal and throw that animal in that well. Now, of course, the water is deep, the well is deep, the animal is at the bottom of the well, and so you still have people going to that well and drawing water from that well. And they were able to kill off whole cities with sicknesses and diseases because they didn't know they had a, a, a rotten animal in there decaying. Now that's the idea of guarding your heart. Your heart is the well. Let's keep reading here. Look at what he says, verse 22. For they are life unto those that find them, uh, verse 24 rather, uh, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it. Everybody see that now? Out of it are the issues of life. Does everybody understand what that's saying? Your heart determines how you're going to live. You have a person living a raggedy life, they have a raggedy heart. You have a person that's mean-spirited, that, that, that comes from their heart. Adulterous, fornication, thievery, lying, all of that comes from a person's heart. And so he tells us in his word to guard our hearts with all diligence. You make sure that not only do you cover it, but you stand guard of it so that the enemy don't come in and throw something in there that's going to defile many. It is your job <laughs> to guard your heart. Again, we're not talking about putting up walls so that you don't ever get your heart broke again, so that you don't look, put yourself out there. And that's not what it's talking about. You still have to be the same lovely person you are but you have to learn how to maneuver around the actions of other people. You have to learn, listen, I can't tell you the number of times <laughs> I have thought something that was not the truth. I've thought things and I've learned to just give it time. Just give it time. It'll come out. I'll see how the devil was trying to trick me. But I don't for one minute think that my first thought is the right thought. And so if I don't think that, then I would be a fool to act on my first thought. I'm just use this as an example. This just happened the other day. Uh, a couple of years ago, you know, one of course, you know, a couple of my sons there, in Louisiana now. And, and a couple of years ago, um, one of my boys, they left a couple of their little game consoles here, the PSV and the PSP. And, and I honestly thought, I thought my son that's sitting here now, I thought, well, he got a hold of it. He got a hold of it. I might have even told him, I think you got it. But I, I'm not going uh, to do nothing. Just, you know, God don't like ugly. It'll catch up with you, you know. That, now, that's what I thought. I didn't do anything about it. I don't think I, I didn't do anything, did I, Josh? I didn't whoop you for that, did I? Okay, just want to make sure I ain't lying. <laughs> did I ever bring that to you? I brought it to him. Then I might have fussed at him. You, you took it, you know. But then I thought, you know, to myself, I could be wrong. 
I could be wrong. That's what I thought. So I, I'm not going to whoop you for it. I'm going to just let it play out. You know, maybe, you know, because I, I, in my mind, and I would tell my wife, I said, I could have swore that I put that thing up somewhere. And I just don't remember where I put it. And my wife would say, well, maybe it's here. Maybe it's there. I said, no, I'm not going to go on no, no witch hunt about it. I'm not, I got other things to do. I'm not, I don't want to play them. You see? So the other day, uh, I had my Joshua, and, had Joshua and a few of the other boys out cleaning, uh, cleaning up some of the electronics. And uh, Joshua come knock on my door. He said, Dad, I, I found the, those two game consoles. And I said, well, where were they? He said, they were in this little camera bag, in this little bag where this little other little device is. And then when he said that, I remembered that I put them there. Now, for these last two years, I've been living less than 10 feet away from it. Now, I'm going to tell you how the enemy works with some of us. You know, something like that happened to you just along those lines. And, and every time you see your child, or every time you see that person that can just jog through your mind, I don't trust you because you ain't confessed what you've taken yet. That could play through our minds. All we could do with this word say, <laughs> does everybody understand that? Just, just live life. You know, you, you, you have to learn to let things go and forgive people even when they don't ask for forgiveness. Just in case you're wrong. Just in case. Wouldn't that have been something now? Every time I see Joshua, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I know what you did. Now, you ain't confessed it, but one of these days you're going to get close to the Lord, and gonna, you're going to feel really convicted. <laughs> but you know, when you got an evil heart, you know what you think? Well, you, you had it all this time, and you just, you just found an opportunity to put them back. It's like, oh, look, I found it. Still mad. Does everybody understand that now? Or you could just live life and love people without conditions. You can learn that maybe you're wrong sometimes. Maybe you need to take a step back and just live life. Don't continue to think about certain situations that may have brought you some hurt. Does everybody understand that? This scripture is not telling us to avoid hurt. It's telling us to guard our hearts with all diligence. There's a such thing as being hurt without becoming bitter about it. Does everybody understand now? Because look at what it says. For out of it are the issues of life. Now, let's get to what we're talking about. I've always wondered. I know how I was when I came to the Lord. And I've seen how other people have been when they come to God. I've seen how people, they come to the Lord and they rejoice. They're happy all the time. And they don't lose that happiness. They don't lose that joy. They're just happy all the time. You, you know, regardless of what's going on in their life. Uh, they, at, the, at the least in their life, they still have the joy of the Lord. I've seen that happen. And then I've seen, you know, especially when people first come to God, it's a brand new life to them. And they're just rejoicing that they got a brand new start and, and, they're, and they're happy about it. And then I've seen people so-called 
come to God and, and then live like they did God a favor. Unhappy before they came to him and even more unhappy now that they got to live for him. <laughs> and I've always wondered what was the difference? Did God really do something for that individual? Are they really saved? If they live for God and, and they're not happy, what, what is the difference? Let's go if you have your Bibles now. Let's go to the book of 2 Samuel. We're going to look at a man just real briefly. Absalom. Now, a lot of you, you, you know this story. Thirteen chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. We're just going to read a few scriptures here and there and kind of piece this together. We're not going to read all of this, but we're just going to read a few scriptures just here and there uh, just to give us an idea of what we're talking about and why we are, are going over this. So the 13th chapter of 2 Samuel, we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Everybody see that? And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day, will thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So, of course, now how many of you remember this story? He goes in unto her. He sleeps with her. After he sleeps with her, he puts her away from him, basically sends her home. She begs him not to do it because basically what it meant was she'd never really be able to marry again because in Israel it was a sin for people who were not virgins to marry unless your spouse had died and you were getting remarried. And so, you know, if you had a woman who was not a virgin trying to marry, uh, she would get stoned on, the, on her wedding night because she didn't have tokens of her virginity. And so she understood that. And so if you can imagine her brother, when he found this out, we're talking about uh, Absalom, he was very upset about it. That basically, I'm not gonna have any nieces and nephews by this sister. You basically done scarred my sister for life. And so, you know, so you know the story, he ends up killing Amnon, his brother. And so the story goes where he kills Amnon. David finds out about it. David don't run after Absalom. But Absalom takes off running. And he goes to a particular city, to, to Geshur. He stays there. And after a, 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 a long while, um, Joab goes to David basically in a nutshell, goes to him or have another woman go to him and tell him, look, 
forgive your son and let him come back home. Does everybody see that now? And so that's what he does. He allows Absalom to come back home. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the 14th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. And we're going to read verse 33. It says, So Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Does everybody see that? So now, now I want you to think about something. Absalom knows his, his daddy's reputation, that he was a warrior to begin with. And so, of course, he was afraid of David originally. And so now... He's done this thing where he's killed his brother, the king's son, and David have forgiven him and let him come back to him, to home. So would you agree and would you say that Absalom has gotten a brand new start? Didn't he get a brand new start? So shouldn't he have gone to the temple and just had praise and worship and thank God for giving him a brand new start. I'm back in the good graces of my daddy. I've been forgiven for killing my own brother. This is a new start, isn't it? Except when you got a raggedy heart, there is no such thing as a new start. It all just flows together, regardless of what goes on. Does everybody understand that now? So let's go ahead and keep reading. Chapter 15, verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And, and he said, Thy servant is one of the is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed for the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He got a brand new start. But because his heart wasn't right, he kept doing wrong. When people's hearts not right, they don't know grace when they see it. There is no such thing as a new start when the heart is bitter. Do they understand it now? And so we see what happens there. And so, <laughs> let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 7, and it came to pass after 40 years. Everybody see? How many years? Everybody see that? 
40 years and, 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 and haven't come to his senses yet? After how many years? 40 years. He continued to do this same thing. Let's go and keep reading. That Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for, for Ethelophel, the Galenite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Everybody see now. Now, if you keep reading, you'll see what happens. Absalom, uh, David gets the understanding that Absalom is basically taking over his kingdom. And the Bible says that David fled. Does anybody see that now? So at some point, Absalom enters Jerusalem. He be becomes king. And there he is, king of Israel. Did y'all hear that now? So let's call that a brand new start. He's king of Israel now. Not only did he get back in his father's good graces without his daddy killing him, but now he's king over Israel, the nation who God leads. The nation who no army can stand before. Basically, king over the most powerful nation in the world. His daddy have fled. And you get this idea that there's this understanding. As long as I sit here on the throne, David's not coming back. Listen, if David had planned on taking his throne back, he wouldn't have fled to begin with. He would have just stayed there and fought. So there he is, sitting on the throne king over Israel was that good enough no because when your heart's not right you can't even enjoy the good does everybody understand that you, you'll, you'll never settled <laughs> when your heart's not right one of the biggest events of your life the most, the most what, what should be the proudest moment of your life you can't enjoy it No matter what happens in life, when people are bitter in their heart, no matter how, how good God is to them, it don't matter. Bitterness keeps them from seeing it. Does everybody understand that now? And so there he was, he's gotten grace, you know, and he, he has to know his daddy understood what he was doing with all that, that 40 years of him stealing the people away. David wasn't a fool. So he got grace all those years, and that wasn't good enough. So now I need to take your kingdom. And, it, and then when he goes to do it, his daddy just walks away without a fight. 
He could have just said, well, praise God. This has to be the will of God because the, the great warrior just walked out of his kingdom and let me take over it. You know what? This is, this is satisfying. I'm going to sit down now. I've done enough. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to enjoy my new life, my new kingdom, my new brand new start. I'm going to enjoy it. Did he do it? And that's what bitterness will do. You can't enjoy nothing. God could give you the whole world and you might crack a smile. Think about people, they have a grand testimony and that testimony, it keeps them pumped up for a few hours. But unfortunately, the testimony is coming from a mouth that's connected to a heart that is bitter. And so then I'm going to go right back into my bitter house, back into my bitter place and continue to not enjoy life. I cannot enjoy it. And so I live a life where my happiness is in spurts and short lived. Only know how to be happy for just a, a short moment. For a short moment, I forget how bitter I am. <laughs> so my life is tied around making myself feel good. Now you understand why people live unto themselves, why they live in pleasure. But when you're not bitter, then life is just pleasant to begin with. You don't have to go on vacations and have and create highlights. You, you're just happy to begin with. Whether you're swinging on a swing at Walt Disney or you're in your front yard swinging on your own porch swing. Bitterness is designed to keep you from enjoying life. Does everybody understand that now? So now do you understand why people can give their life to the Lord and be saved and still not be happy? Don't matter what God does for him, God can come down and sit him on his lap and say, I forgive you for everything you've ever done. That might last for a minute. How can God win in your life when you're determined to be unhappy? So now we're looking at Absalom. There he is sitting on his daddy's throne, the greatest throne this world has ever seen, even still to this day. There was no other king like King David, never, outside of Jesus Christ. No other king like him. And here is this man, his son, sitting on his throne. He, that should have been a happy moment for him. I'm just, now you think from his perspective. Something that he's been working on for 40 years have come to pass. You'd have thought he'd have said, well, you know, let me spend the next 40 years just sitting here and enjoying it if God let me live. It's amazing to me. Uh, people uh, 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 spend every dime they have courting and to, to marry the person they want to marry. Spend every waking hour thinking about them, only to get married and argue. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? You don't have to keep riding that wave. You don't have to do what Absalom done. Spending 40 years 
to get the person you want to be with and then spending the next 40 being miserable and arguing. At some point, you have to see what's going on. Does everybody understand that? Does it make any sense to work for something and only be unhappy when you get it? Let's go ahead and go now to the 17th chapter of the book of, of 2 Samuel. We're going to start reading at verse 24. It says, Then David came to Mahanam, and Absalom passed over Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab, which Amasa was, was a man's son, whose name was Ithra, an Israelite, that went in to Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom pitched in the land of Gilead. What's going on here? Absalom can't enjoy his new life. He can't enjoy it. So now what is he doing? His daddy done already left and fled and left the kingdom to him. That's not good enough. I, I can't enjoy this new victory that I just had. So now I have to pursue my daddy to try to kill him. You see what unhappiness does? You see what bitterness does? You will constantly be running. Constantly living in turmoil. Can't, don't even know how to stop for a minute to enjoy the scenery. Constantly in turmoil. Constantly running. Constantly doing something. Everything but enjoying life. I tell you, you know, with some people, it's always something. Always something. Don't know how to be happy about nothing. Does everybody understand that? That's a bitter heart. When you can't, you ought to be able to just wake up one morning and just look at your children and bless God about it. Thank you, Lord, that I got children. I, I got children that understand me when I talk to them because they have their hearing. I don't have to go to sign language classes. <laughs> you got a lot to be thankful for. You ought to live in that. <laughs> but if you're bitter, your heart's not right. You're going to always pursue, always run, always try to run to the next thing that's going to make you happy. You rejoice when you first gave birth to a child and you thank God but then they, they live the next 50, 60, 100 years and you're still not rejoicing. It was just for that moment. Because when you're bitter, joy and happiness is short-lived. 
even though it's around you all the time, happiness is short-lived. You clap a few times for the current victory, but then it's on to the next exploit. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? And you know, here's the thing. As long as you want to be unhappy, the devil will give you something to be unhappy about. You can fuss and argue with your husband whether or not you're going to get to go to McDonald's today like he promised. And you find he gives in, okay, 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 okay. We can go to McDonald's. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He is good. <laughs> Got the children in the background clapping. Then you pull up to that drive-through. Yeah, I'd like the McRib. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, we stopped selling that about a month ago. That's that's back off market now. What? <laughs> Does everybody understand now? What are the children doing? <laughs> oh Lord, praise the Lord, Mama, praise the Lord. Come on, keep it going, keep it going. Don't stop, don't stop. <laughs> Listen, parents, it's not meant for children to be your cheerleader. And so here we see Absalom, he's unhappy with life. He, he was just an unhappy person. And when people are not happy, that's just the way they are. Nothing brings them joy. Nothing brings them lasting joy. They're going to always be able to find something to complain about. So let's now, 18, let's go to chapter 18. And you, you see that all this time now, Absalom have been running after David to kill him. And the only reason why David is ducking and dodging is because David don't want him to be killed. The 18th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel, and we're going to start reading at verse 9. It says, And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. So everybody see what, what, what's going happen now. He was caught in a tree by his, really his hair. And there he was suspended there, and the mule that he was riding on kept going. So he was just hanging in midair like that. Verse 10, and a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why did thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, yet would I not put forth my hand against the king's son, for in our hearing the king charged thee, and Abishai the Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life, 
for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Then so said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. In other words, killed him. Everybody see that now? This is how life ends for the unhappy person that spend the rest of their life just chasing happiness and don't know how to just be happy. Happiness is not outside of yourself. It's not in items. It's not in things that you can acquire. If your heart is not right, you're not going to enjoy the blessings to begin with. You can have a person pray for a car, and the Lord bless them with a car, and then they moan and complain about gas prices. And what would you rather, walk or ride a bike? You don't have to put gas in a bike. Does everybody understand that now? You have to learn to allow, let God be your joy. You keep your attention on God, you'll learn to be happy in all circumstances. So we wanted to look at this young man's life just real briefly. You know, in my prayers to the Lord, I always ask the Lord, how can I help his people? Why do I see such a difference sometimes between some people and others? Why are some people, when they give their lives to the Lord, they're happy and they're joyful and they live and for God with their whole heart? And then other people, they, they still bitter and, and they, they, all their life in God is, is part two of their part one raggediness. Why is there no real change? And in praying that prayer, I heard one word, bananas. Bananas. Isn't that something? That, that, now that's some kind of way for the Lord to answer you. Bananas. What does bananas have to do with it? Let's read this now. Some restaurants offer what they call palate cleaners. Does everybody know what a palate cleaner is? It's your taste buds. So the idea is this, their, their food is supposed to be so standoutish that they want you to enjoy the taste of every single food that's on your plate. They want it to stand out. So if you have green beans on your plate and the restaurant is known for having the best green beans in the South, then you can't enjoy the green beans the way you're supposed to if you just got finished eating macaroni and cheese. You know why? Because if you've eaten macaroni and cheese, it's still in your tongue. And so what you're tasting when you go to the green beans to taste it is a mixture of macaroni and cheese and the green beans. So you don't really know how good the green beans are 
because you still got macaroni and cheese in the little bristles of your tongue. And so what some restaurants will do, depending on how fancy they are, they will give you bananas. Let's clean all of that up so that you can enjoy the new experience. Let's get rid of the bitterness from the old life so you'll know why the rest of my believers are happy with the new one. Does everybody understand now? So it's impossible to enjoy the new walk in Christ when you're still bitter from your old walk and your disobedience. What happens is it all looks the same to you. The only thing Christ has done for you is giving you a new set of rules to live by. <laughs> so really all he did was just add it to your problems. All he really did was just add it to your trouble. Now you got to walk around pretending to be happy about this new life. Well, it don't seem like it's new to me. It's just all oh, my hands don't look new like the song say. I don't feel any different. You need some bananas. You need to ask the Lord to help you get over your past. First thing you need to do is take responsibility. It was your job to guard that well. That was your job. God never told you to put your heart into the, into the hands of somebody else. He told you, you guard your heart with all diligence. So the first thing you have to do is take responsibility for how you got hurt. That's the first thing you have to do. You, you, you could think about, you, you may say, well, Brother Bolton, I don't understand. Why, why do I have to be responsible for the way somebody else treated me? No, you're not responsible for what they did. You're responsible for how you received it. You're responsible for your own response. I could say, you know what? I, they, they didn't mean that. That's just where they are in life. We were both young. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. We were both just out here feeling our way in life and trying to live and make and pleasure flesh. Wouldn't it be a shame to give more weight to what the devil did in your life than what God is trying to currently do? At some point, you got to quit playing the victim. Does everybody understand that? At some point, you got to quit playing defeated. And just say, you know what? Hey, it's time out for this. I don't want to be Absalom. I want to enjoy this new life and this new kingdom. I'm glad that I received forgiveness. And, and I'm going to learn to, as I continue to live, I'm going to learn to live better than what I did before. I'm going to make better choices. Because listen, when you're bitter, you're going to make the same choices that you've been making. You know why? Because it keeps you from seeing yourself. Bitterness keeps you from seeing yourself. 
you know, when I when I was in the Navy in basic training, they put us in this little room and uh, they popped some pills in there, some some gas pills. It was the, the, it was the gas chamber. And of course, you know, we're in there uh, with our gas mask on. And at some point they gave the order and we had to take the gas mask off. And we had to wait in line, you know, and wait on people in front of us to give their name, their rank, and their social security number. And so they told us, you know, when you come out of this gas chamber, you hold your arms up to your side like this because the stuff was so, so potent that if you held your hands to your side like this, then your skin would rub off. Rub off. Your flesh felt spongy. And I remember after that week I came, that was the sixth week of basic training. When I came out of that, I tasted that gas for the next week. It didn't matter what I ate, how good it was. The only thing I could taste was that gas. And I'm telling you, that's the way a life is where the heart is raggedy, where the person have not guarded their heart with all diligence. The only thing you taste is what the devil gave you. It doesn't matter. God could put that McRib in your mouth. You wouldn't taste it. Bitterness keeps you from tasting the good of God. And at some point, you have to recognize what's going on. Jesus Christ told us when he was in this world, the devil come but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I come that you may have life. Not only have life, but have it more abundantly. You know what he's saying? I come so that you can enjoy life. Because without me, nothing in this world makes sense. But the devil comes to steal your purpose. He comes to steal your joy. No matter what good is going on in your life, you won't be able to enjoy it. Because he keeps you focused on the wrong thing. Got you walking around and purposely being mad at stuff that he done tricked you about. He painted a picture for you and you believe that lie. Did you really believe that you were innocent when you were out in the world? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> and you ain't got to believe that lie. If you just see things the way that they were, you know, and you listen, you just got to take my word for it. If you take my word for it, God open up your eyes and let you see how it really was. Does everybody understand that? It took me almost two years for that for those two little game consoles to come up. I could have I could have walked around bitter about it. Or I could have just chose, you know what? I got other things I need to be thinking about. If they're around here, they'll come up somewhere. Do they understand that? And there I was living less than 10 feet away from the whole two years. And that's the way it could be with us sometimes. Happiness all around us the whole time. And we have to go out of our way to choose bitterness, to choose being upset. Some people choose high blood pressure. 
They choose heart attacks. They choose kidney disease, sickness, all of that. They choose that. And what are we just reading this Bible in the book of Proverbs? These words are health to your flesh. You can, I, I tell you what, I choose to believe this word. Does everybody understand that? My prayers, we heard what God had to say today. Let me say one more thing. If you choose to continue to live in bitterness and hurt and anger for whatever reason, and you choose not to heal from your past, everything new that comes your way, you'll sabotage it. You'll destroy it. Does everybody understand that? That's the nature of the beast. That's what happened to Absalom. He could have chose to just be happy with where he was in life. But he chose to be bitter. He was really what the problem was. He was mad at his daddy because in his mind, daddy didn't act according to what I wanted him to do concerning my sister. That, so that never left him. He was mad because daddy wouldn't do what I would want him to do. And because of that, every time he got a victory in anything, he sabotaged it. His, his life on the throne was short-lived. Does everybody understand that? And what does it matter anyway? How long, what does it matter how long he was on the throne if he wasn't happy on it to begin with? Why should God send you any kind of blessings when you, you, you just going to stomp on them anyway? You're going to find a way to despise it. I'm telling you, if God is handing you blessings, you better act like you're happy about it. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Because he might give you something way on the opposite end somewhere to show you what you've been missing, to show you how you've been a, a brat. Does everybody understand that? You don't want that. You don't want God to send you something from the opposite end just to show you you should have appreciated all the other stuff. You, you could just appreciate it now. Does everybody understand that? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the word that you spoke to us today. God, we ask that you would help us take these things in our heart, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we've overlooked the life that you've blessed us with. Forgive us for the murmuring and complaining that we've done. Forgive us, Lord, for every idle word that we've spoken against your will. Help us, Lord, to do what your words say, to guard our hearts with all diligence, Lord. Help us to examine ourselves today. Help us to not be forgetful of the many blessings that you've given us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for being ungrateful. For being so caught up in our own fleshly hurts and our own issues that we forget to enjoy the scenery. That we forget to enjoy the life that you've given us, Lord. Lord, right now we ask you for those bananas. Give us a clean palate, Lord. 
so that we can taste and see that you're good so that we can enjoy everything that you've blessed us with Lord our life our health our marriages help us Lord not to take these things for granted we thank you Lord for this word in the name of Jesus Christ we pray amen all righty all right if that's all now we'll go ahead and be dismissed in the name of the lord jesus christ <laughs>